I'm Batman. I'm daddy. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Do, don't say that I like don't that. Don't say, call me daddy. I said, I'm daddy. I'm daddy. That's different. I'm daddy. <laughs> not really. Not when you say Detroit. <laughs> yeah, not when you're saying it on a podcast that we're recording. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the host joining me this evening are the Dapper Dungeon Master, Troy Sandlin. Welcome. The Dwarven DM, John Christian. Lolly Ho. And from the uh, <laughs> Eternal RV and uh, D&D Beyond, we have Mr. Andrew. That's right, and well, he's hi. and he's Me dressed and, and ready and to go, all dressed up. I'm dressed and ready to go. Yeah, I do have. That's uh, right. Since yeah, Troy so is wearing a cravat for his I'm, dapperness, I'm, I've also right. sort of, I got a little bit of a peek here, just a little bit of a, just a, a tease. Yeah. 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 yeah, you just want to tease. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to. You don't want to go. You know, full frontal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch my ass, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Unless you ask first. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about consent fair enough <laughs> well we have an app listen uh we were talking about this in uh before we went live uh but andrew you uh you graced us with your presence a few months ago here on the podcast and uh not only did we thoroughly enjoy it but our community immediately said can we just trade the three of you in and have an Andrew podcast instead. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope the, and the I, fast response was you no. Know, I, yeah, that exactly. <laughs> I said no. Selfishly, Zach said no. Um, <laughs> and I said, yes, take okay. both of them, leave me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it didn't matter what I said because I was summarily ignored anyway. <laughs> we, That's right. We, we muted John. <laughs> That's right. Yes. They wouldn't want me we, time, I promise. Yeah, well, we 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 absolutely had to uh, get you back on, and then Troy was chatting with you, and 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 he implied that not only were you willing to come back, but you wanted to, and and that made us very happy. Um, whether it was Troy kind of like gilding the lily, or that was a real statement, uh, we're just going to pretend like Andrew, you're <laughs> here because you want to be, and we thank you for it. <clears throat> I, you know what? It is true. He did not tell a lie this time. This time, okay, good. Well, this time, time. told you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Like Troy, you you talked with Andrew and kind of set this thing up. Um, I think I think the plan is is just to meander through a conversation and see where it takes us. Um, But but I I think before we do that, there is a bit of news that did drop today. Oh and, yeah, and, probably should. That's and, the I th- in the room. and I think Andrew can also speak to that a little bit as well. Before we get yeah, into that, yeah. Well, yeah. If you, if you haven't heard, um, we now have uh, a live new book available for pre-order. Um, funny enough, right before the Christmas season on D and D Beyond um, for Critical Ooh. Role. Uh, yeah. And their uh, new new adventure. Well, their their only real 
D and D published adventure. In fact, I think the only two books that Critical Role has published are world books, source mm-hmm. books. So this is their mm-hmm. first sort of mm-hmm. adventure, and it's called Call of the Nether Deep. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I like the sound of that. Call of the Nether Deep. So, what do we know so far about this? Do we know other than like title and and like the front page? What is has been published in the news about like? level range or anything like that do we have any of that information yet or we, is it just kind of like hey, hey coming soon to a theater near you we do uh <laughs> it is the first major adventure module and it uh, takes you from levels three to twelve uh multi-continental yeah, story that spans unconventional yeah unconventional level. well uh yes and no because the, the little mini adventures in the wild mount book take you to lo- from levels one to three so this could be a way to that makes sense. Continue on and uh, hit some Troy, of the. Con- you're so smart. I well, I read. Uh, what's what's right here on my screen? <laughs> that was that was Troy's not so subtle way of saying calling us a couple of ignorant wretches that don't read. Yeah. No, I mean I, I'm I'm reading what's literally on my screen <laughs> right in front of me. Oh right, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I have notes. I got. You. I have notes. I have cue cards. Uh, it spans uh, the scarred wastes of Jorhas, and it actually goes to the continent of Marquette, which happens to be the starting area for Season 3, or Campaign 3 of Critical Role. Okay. And it eventually plunges players into the Netherdeep, which is a terrifying cross between the Far Realm and the Deep Ocean. New magic items, hmm. creatures, and it introduces new rival NPCs. A new uh, a new system that uh, has okay. never has never yeah new something that hasn't even been on the show before. So interesting. That's it. Yeah. Interesting. So now, is there? I also heard something just rumblings about an adventurers league component to this. Am I? Am I crazy? Have I you guys heard the same thing? That I have not seen yet, and I've been waiting to find out if we're going to get some actual official critical Organized role place adventures definitely. league. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. If be that happens, that would be interesting. You know, open the floodgates because here they come. Mm-hmm. Well, with the new adventures league format, really, all we're saying by that is that we get a couple chuckleheads into a into a dark room, and they, you know convert this book when it comes out to a to a series of modules so mm-hmm. that is definitely i think on the table one way or another um in one way shape or form so cool awesome um so okay well while we're on this subject andrew as as one who is in the know with with the indie beyond i have a question for you yeah um See if see if you're uh, okay with answering it. If not, um, there it was a new Mordenkainen's book uh, announced back at Celebration, mm. and yeah. that book I, we know it's basically kind of a a reworking of uh, Tome of Foes with some additional content. Um, I wondered though is is that something that we could expect that new that new design of stat blocks and new presentation is that coming to D&D Beyond um, or is D&D Beyond kind of maintaining that they already have all that content that you already have all that content in a different format and and not going to worry about updating it well so the first thing i can say is we'll absolutely have that book um, i believe the um, 
yeah, the Wizards is going to do some interesting things with the release of this book. I'm not exactly sure what's public domain, where where like the public mm. knows and where I know and what that stops. So I'm going to be a little careful here. But sure. um, we're obviously going to get the book and we're going to sell it on D&D Beyond and it will be a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so then the, the question then becomes like, is all the content duplicated or how does that all work? Um, honestly, that's something that our our uh, game content team, um, which are called the Lore Keepers, by the way, which is a rocking oh, cool. cool name. That's cool. Um, they like if they, they are... put that if they put that on their resume, like if they if they you know build out a resume, is that their actual title that they have to you know fill in? I was a lore keeper <laughs> well, for D and D Beyond. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, we have a lot of different team names that we all think are really fun and cute. Um, okay, cool. Don't ever see the light of day. For example, <laughs> I'm on the adventure team. That's the team that I'm on. Uh, adventure okay. team. Um, so yeah, the Lord Key team is actively trying to figure out exactly how they're going to represent this. Um, whether they um, there's a there's a number of things that we can do on D and D Beyond to support this content. But at the end of the day, when you buy that book, you're going to get the new stat blocks um, in so far as that we can support it. Um, so awesome. we are actively looking um, to like, how do we continue to change, modify and update our stat blocks with all of the new changes? It might seem sort of trivial sometimes when you think, okay, well, you know, new monsters don't have a given alignment all the time. It's, sort of an alignment of whatever you want it to be. Um, well, that's <laughs> that's sort of a thing that we have to figure out on D&D Beyond. Or, um, you know, uh, new actions and formatting and things like that yeah. um, can get difficult. So, um, so those yeah. are things that we are actively trying to figure out how we represent that on a stat block. Um, one of the one of the biggest challenges that we do have and that we will start to see is is um, uh, there there exists some in between here where um, like a monster stat block is sort of an official representation of a monster, but then you might do some things to that stat block on your own, um, hmm. and in that re- in that regard, it's hard to save that information for that one stat block. For example. Um, when I am updating it, data around a monster on the combat tracker, let's say you're in combat with um, Strahd von Zarevich, you're using an official stat block there. Um, and when I change his hit points, it changes it for that one little tiny instance of it. And it doesn't like save Strahd's health the next time you might come or you know if he were to use some of his abilities or some of his a dragon's recharge ability for example um, each monster doesn't have its own instance of its stat of its stat block like a character does um, and so some of the things that we're looking at is like how do we start trying to bridge that gap when you have sort of one instance of a monster represents a stat block and then there's an official one too so Official hmm. instance, and then um, I don't think I'm explaining that very well. But either way, hopefully you understand. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of complexity well, in there to to try to support it. So, so like the idea of legacy stat blocks, in the sense that you can carry over tweaks and things that you've made if you encounter a character and uh, and want to pull that same stat updated stat block up in a new encounter. 
there's a way to do that. Yeah, that that is one of the ways that the the Lord Keepers team has thought about handling this, right? So things content from new books is either handled in two different ways. One, it's errata, which means we just update the thing, um, or we archive it, and usually you'll mm-hmm. see that it available. Um, for example, if you were to put that monster on your character sheet in from the extras tab, you will see archived in the title of mm-hmm. it, and then there'll be a new version of it that's available for everybody going forward. Sort of, um, we've done a lot of the the UA content that way, a lot of the playtest content mm-hmm. that way. Um, so we're not exactly sure how that'll work yet, um, mm-hmm. but the content from the book will will be supported in so much that we can support it. Yeah. That makes sense. It it reminds me a little bit of uh, here. Here I go throwing Star Wars into this discussion already. Um, but it reminds me a little bit of like all the Star Wars wikis when Disney took over and erased canon and started their new canon. Star Wars wikis had to like find a compromise between we have all this history of Lando and now we have new history of Lando. And how are we going to communicate both of those? and not lose information just because we have a new uh, timeline. And uh, they ended up uh, resorting to like a little switch tab. And so you could, you know, there's one page for Lando, but you could switch between legacy view and current view. And yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyhow, yeah, this sounds similar. similar. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, here, we're going to solve all of Andrew's uh, design problems (laughs) problems <laughs> yeah this, this, this will work perfectly actually this will work perfectly yeah uh, we'll just add more tabs <laughs> just more tabs. more tabs yeah <laughs> that's what we want who, who doesn't like toggles that's what i want awesome. to know oh, right <laughs> no no so so that that well, satisfies way, uh, my curiosity it mainly was because the al updates in discord mm-hmm Sorry, uh, and, yes. uh, Zach. Uh, uh, Craig did mention in the AL uh, updates that Critical Role, Call of the Netherdeep, as well as previously released Explorer's Guide to Wildmont Mount, will be adapted for play in D and D Adventurers League when the new book releases. When it releases, which yeah. is going to be interesting because yeah, yeah. that's sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. That's March, cool. right? March. Uh, so that 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 kind of satisfied my curiosity. I mainly was curious because um, we. We had this announcement today of um, of the new uh, 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 Wild Mount book or the new uh, Critical Role book, and I was like, "It's interesting that we've got that up on D and D Beyond, but we don't have up some of these other announced things from a few weeks ago." So, but you've yeah you've the, slaked the, that yeah it's yeah it's mostly because the um, Critical Role book is available for pre order while the um, the uh, Multiverse book is not yet not available for pre-order. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha, gotcha. But it will be there. It will be there as soon as it becomes available for digital pre-ordering. Um, we'll have it on DD mm-hmm. Beyond for sure. Cool. Yep. Very cool. All right. Well, here let that was fascinating. I appreciate Troy. You reminded me that we do have a little bit of news for today. I don't want to get too much into news. Um, this time around, though, on this episode, because, again, I think that uh, with Andrew, we our time is precious, precious. and um, I, I want to I make sure that we have as much as possible there. Uh, so, uh, hosts and guests, is there anything else that we absolutely need to cover in news before we dive into a main topic? 
Uh, no, the only news, other piece of news I have is even though you did not ask, yes, I am recording. Oh, good job. Good job. Oh, I'm proud so. of you. Wow. Yeah. Proud dad moment. Um, <laughs> excellent. All right, then. Well, let's let's transition, fully transition, then. Uh, Troy, you brought uh, Andrew in to talk about the future of D&D, and I think... Uh, you know, obviously, we're going to get some future of D and D Beyond in here as well. Um, all of us are heavy D and D Beyond users. We have converted. I think I don't know how many people I have converted to the uh, to this religion um, at this point, but um, it 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 is a growing uh, obsession within our within our guilds that that D&D Beyond is the one-stop shop. And so I'm super excited anytime we have a chance to peek in and get some insight into something that I'm using daily. So, yep. uh, Troy, I'm going to kind of like hand it off hosting duties to you since you uh, since this is your this is your child and I'll let you and uh, Andrew take it away. Well, I I had just uh, I had just reached out um, to Andrew to see how he was doing and see where he was at in his uh, RV travels as he uh, roams about the country, um, and uh, we kind of just started talking about the the different things uh, that was an- that were announced at uh, celebrations, and he said he had some interesting ideas and and thoughts, you know, somewhat tied to D and D Beyond, but also his own that, uh, you know, and I was like, how about we get you on the show again and just let you wax poetic about uh, <laughs> about uh, the future of D&D as Andrew sees it. Oh man. That's a that's a large topic. It's a, it's a bit it's a <laughs> wide uh, open, right? Wide open. Well, cuz I I don't I don't want to ask anything that you mm. can't talk about. Sure. I, I don't want to I don't want to put that on on anybody's shoulders even though we all want to know when when certain things may or may not come to fruition, sure. and and I just wanted another T-shirt. <laughs> well, I want another T-shirt as well. Um, well <laughs> I what I, I um so I, I I will try to navigate a couple of things here because um, it's hard for me not to talk officially about D and D Beyond um, yes. because you know I work at D and D Beyond and uh, um, and and I'm, and I'm a part of it. But there's also a part of this too where I, I I have a lot of thoughts and ideas that are not part of the sort of officialness of my position, and I'd love to share those too. The yeah. one thing I'd love to address right away is probably listener concerns um, and thoughts immediately about what Watsi announced in 2024 um, mm-hmm. and the the changes that they would they would have. Um, I can say pretty assuredly right now that um, I don't, nor does a lot of people at D&D Beyond have, are privy to the what's happening in 2024. Um, we all have our own thoughts and we've had conversations with Watsi about it, but you know, as, as most of your listeners will know, uh, D&D Beyond is not Watsi. Um, we are a different company entirely. Um, and uh, you know, Watsi is, uh, I mean, their plans are two years away, so it makes all the sense in the world that they wouldn't necessarily discuss it with somebody that's not in their company. Um, so, you know, I, um, I know a lot 
of the same things that everybody else knows, um, and that those are the the information. That's the information that I know. Um, and uh, uh, for those that don't know, Watsi announced that they would be um, they would introduce a new generation of D&D. Um, and we use that terminology very carefully because they haven't really called it an edition or labeled mm -hmm. the edition at all or anything yeah. like that. I think we all sort of um, hypothetically think that it will be some edition of some kind, some sort of iteration on the, the, uh, the rule set of some kind. They have said that whatever they do do will be compatible with everything going backwards. Um, which is sort of really good <laughs> for, yeah. for everybody that's invested so much money into 5e and so many people that love 5e. Um, that's also, know. though, a that's a that's a statement two years out, though, right? Like this is that... true. Yeah, like backwards <laughs> compatibility. What does that really mean? Two years right. from now, a lot can change in, in two years, right? The, the, the design strategy. This may be more of like a, a wedding people's appetite, get them excited about it and see what happens and see what that feedback looks like. But we're also not, I'm like, I don't think any of us are shocked about this news either. The surveys that came out from Watsi in the last several months, everything pointed to not just like what's, like what's something new that you want to look at, but looking under the hood of everything that you've already been using. Player's handbook mm -hmm. material about races and lineages and uh, classes from the top to bottom, they were, you could tell that there was like a, like an open sourced or like an, an open ended questionnaire about how we feel currently about the state of D and D and then whatever mm -hmm. that evolution might end up uh, stemming from it. So not, not a, that's, not a shocker. Yeah. That's right. And those surveys also mentioned a lot of their digital components too, which is what they announced that the next iteration of whatever this is will have, some sort of digital component along with it, mm -hmm. um, and so we get we get the question quite a bit of like, well, is that D and D Beyond? Like, is mm -hmm. D and D Beyond going to be the the D and D digital experience or something like that? Um, and and I can tell you, two years is a long time, um, but at the moment, D and D Beyond doesn't really know the wholeness of their plans, um, mm -hmm. so um, we don't know what that digital experience might look like from Watsi. Um, personally, being a fan of D and D, I'm a little excited about it because I think that um, the official source can do some really cool things along with it. Mm -hmm. um, if you are following really, really closely like I am, you know that um, they're they're hiring uh, people, technical people on D&D specifically. So if you're following their like job boards and things like that. And so uh, this is this is Andrew speaking, not D&D Beyond necessarily. Sure, but, yeah. Um, you know, I'm 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 following along with what Disney, uh, with what what uh, D and D D and D is doing, and uh, one the one trend that I really like is the inclusion of um, of the digital experience at the rule making level, which mm -hmm. I think will be really interesting. So, for example, in the past, it the rules seem to have been generated by game designers who are thinking how am i going to write this in a book mm. but hopefully going forward at, at, in 2024 even maybe even today these sort of technically minded people these sort of digital or technical game designers are going to be able to be at the the in the room where decisions about rules are being made so that that way it's a consideration of how do we support that rule in our digital tools which being a digital tool for D&D &D Beyond, we know what it's like 
to have the ramifications of words on a paper streamed into digital format and data. Um, and that, that can be very difficult. The sort of one or two words can spawn off hours and hours and weeks of development work, um, mm. which, which um, can be problematic in a lot of ways. So I'm excited for that, actually. The um, sort of digital aspect making it into the rules. Well, isn't that was that was my thought as soon as as soon as they announced this new iteration, I'm like, that's really cool. And also, like, it'll be interesting to see what backwards compatibility looks like. But from a developer side of point of view, and, and again, that's not me, but I can imagine, like, it doesn't matter how minute the change is. If they're if they're doing a, a pass to streamline and everybody Everybody except developers looks at that streamline and says, oh, this is going to make our lives easy uh, or easier. But for D&D Beyond and for, for folks who are uh, programming it, um, it doesn't matter how small the change is. A change is a change. And now all of the, all of the you know, assuming that they crank out a revised player's handbook and a revised monster manual and a blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. All of that now is like rebuilding, in some extent, all of the D&D Beyond experience again. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, and in essence, um, you know, we were just talking about the new multiverse book that came out. And, and mm -hmm. last year, um, there was a lot of changes around Tasha's. I mm -hmm. think these two books, this is personally, this is Andrew speaking, I think these two books are emblematic of the kind of changes that might be coming for... Mm -hmm the player's handbook, the DMG and the monster manual. So if you look at like, how does Tasha's kind of change the game and change that monster stat block? How is, how, when, when this new book comes out uh, for the multiverse, how does that change the stat block some? Um, I think those are the kinds of changes that we're going to be looking at mm -hmm. um, in the new player's handbook, dungeon master's guide and monster manual. I think they'll ramp it up some um, and mm -hmm. there'll be bigger changes. Um, uh, potentially even uh, personally i think maybe even to like action economy or things like that mm -hmm. but um ultimately i think that uh a lot of it's going to be fairly similar um to what mm -hmm. we what we do today um and I, I think that's a good thing and um potentially problematic thing um mm -hmm. you know personally as a customer of of D, &D you know i think they, they people have invested so much money into their own D&D book collection, mm -hmm. both on D&D Beyond and physical and other places as well, um, that, you know, the announcement of a new edition, especially after one that is so loved, can have some dire consequences. I think we've even seen that in the past, and nobody wants the past to sort of be repeated there, especially not yeah. at D&D. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you've got a really interesting perspective on this that I absolutely loved getting a kind of a peak people view or keyhole view into last time. So the, the question I'm going to ask you that is this from, from Andrew's perspective and not a D and D per, uh, beyond perspective, what do you think the driver is aside from the obvious jaded response of, Oh, they want to make more money. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. but like what is the driver of like the Tasha's changes that we saw the Morden came, the, like the Tome of Foes changes that we saw and that we're hearing about in the future. Like the, whatever this evolution looks like, there's always there's this build that's going towards it. What what's driving that? Do you think is it this like uh, is it to create a more casual approach to entry into D and D? 
Is it like uh, trying to, or is it, it maybe everything, right? It may be like trying to go more digital and be more digital friendly. Because a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing, I'm hearing about, like with Tasha's in particular, felt a lot like what they did with World of Warcraft and a lot of other MMORPGs, mm -hmm. which was, okay, let's kind of, let's eliminate more of the specific things about the differences between like the, the races, right? Let's make it more generalized so it's more of a skin. And we're going to focus more on the class or the job or the abilities that are gained from those things only. And then let's get rid of all these like super complicated skill trees and let's just have like you can be one or three different things we're just going to simplify it so that people can onboard really easily play the game and not have to have like a degree in world of warcraft in order to, to play the game <laughs> do you think it's that or is it something else am i, am I off base well um so i've said this uh, uh, many times um from my own sort of personal experience in this industry if D D was made today it would be an entirely different game entirely different game it is because of the history of D&D &D and all of its iterations of Thacko and so many other things, percentile, heavy use of percentile dice through a lot of it, that um, that it is designed today. So it is it is continuing to build on that, iterate, and change, right? Um, I, I don't think that there is um, a huge shift in everything. I think it is going to be continual modifications as you go. It's ob observing, it's people like Jeremy Crawford observing what people have trouble with, simplifying, making it interesting again, simplifying it again, making it more interesting and then simplifying it again. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing here. Um, as any kind of edition gets a, a hundred books or so in it, um, I mean, you're going to have so much um, bloat in there that things are just naturally going to get harder and harder and more options and more options. So you've mm -hmm. got to have sort of like a redefining phase to say like, okay, let's make it more simple again. And then let's bl blow that out and then let's make it more simple again. And then let's blow that out. Um, so I, I think that is a part of it, but to be honest with you, I think the biggest driver um, is sort of completely off of your, your, your thought train there. But I think that personally, there's two big drivers. One is inclusion in D and D um, in this sort of season of D and D more than ever before, I, I would venture to say D and D has become so much more inclusive of a lot of different people and a lot of mm -hmm. um, sort of diverse perspectives and backgrounds and things like that. And they want desperately, I believe the people at D and D want desperately to make sure that their game, the thing that they're making is just as diverse as they are as well. Um, and the people that play it with a whole new generation of people playing it. So um, I think a lot of the changes you see in Tasha represent that. Um, a lot of the changes you see, uh, you, you will potentially see in the next book, which by the way, I don't have the, the contents of uh, Morden Canis presents sure. Monsters of the, the Multiverse. So I don't know, but from what we've heard, um, the, I, I believe you will see um, changes similar to that. And then I, I believe um, even more so into um, the new player's handbook and, and all of that. Just sort of a, not everybody's always good and not, a, not everybody's always evil. And yeah. um, the gender specificity and um, sort of diverse cultural um, ideas, I think are gonna be sort of all over the place there. Um, 
so th that's that's one of the major driving factors is I, I think um, looking when when the writers of some of the books now look back and think oh uh, boy I didn't really mean for that to be a um, <laughs> a man necessarily or a woman necessarily or whatever I, I meant it to be sort of a a generic thing so that people can assume it I think they're looking to do that in the future the second thing I think that that they're using is this sort of digital aspect of it um, and that's what I get real passionate about obviously because D&D Beyond is a digital tool but it's something that I am super excited about and I think I talked a little bit on, on the show last time and that's you know role-playing as it as a whole is a publishing industry right and that's the industry mm -hmm. it's in is publishing you don't have a book or you don't have a game without a book um it, the rule set is essentially a book but the interesting thing is it, just like technology has done in many many major industries sort of like convert it from a logistics industry to a technology industry i think te technology is hitting the gaming industry the the rpg or tabletop rpg world and converting it into a digital world uh, technology world um, and I'm excited for that it's gonna be a slow go because you know everybody's used to buying the book and having all the rules but um, but I I think that there will be a very interesting future for us where um, maybe you don't have to buy the book in order to play uh, maybe you can uh, you know just play online with the things that you have um, and uh, get the rule sets from there. I don't know. I don't know what that will look like, but I'm excited to see that um, that transition from sort of a publishing industry into a digital industry. Yeah. And then Bear Droid, uh, one of our uh, viewers, is talking about um, this generational shift that we've gotten. I think that goes along with it. Um, I was thinking about that. Like, we do have a component that, that we haven't talked about yet, which is the streaming audience or the streamers that are playing D&D, &D, but also the streaming audience, which I think is the bigger concern, right? Or the bigger thing to mm -hmm, note, mm -hmm. which is that we have literally millions of people coming into the hobby from viewing streamed games, especially Critical Role. And what they have viewed in a stream is not the experience that you and I would have as an introduction if we you know, showed up at a convention and sat down and played with pen and paper. It is it is already, mm. by necessity, a streamlined game that they are viewing. Um, and mm -hmm. it is a mindset of rules being condensed, streamlined, set aside at times, devalued at times, uh, but certainly not in the spotlight for the most part. And so mm -hmm. if you've got literally millions of people coming into the game saying, Oh, that's what I that's how I got introduced to this. That's what I like. That's what I'm familiar with. Then I think it's natural to say how do we create a rule set that is compatible with that? How do we meet them in the middle and say, mm -hmm. "Well, it is a game, so it does have rules, but we don't want the rules to be so complex that your knee-jerk reaction is to, you know, uh, you know, take a hard right into a different game." because mm. you were looking for something more like what you thought you were seeing on the stream. Um, mm -hmm. we, we were talking the other week about, I showed up at a birthday party a few months back for my kid, 
and I was talking to some of the other parents and people there, and they were talking and they were talking about their kids, but also themselves, and they were talking about playing D and D. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome! Didn't know you guys played. That's really cool. Tell me about. It. And they're like, well, we play Monster of the Week, hmm. and I'm like, really? And you call it D and D? Well, yeah, it's D and D, right? Like it's all D and D, but we don't really like the official D&D, mm-hmm. so we play the Powered by the Apocalypse D&D, or we pe- play the uh, mm-hmm. Kids on Bikes mm-hmm. D&D. Like, right. that's fascinating. It's fascinating that it's becoming a Kleenex-style mm-hmm. brand. Um, but the reason that that's happening has to be something that Watsi is keeping an eye on, which is saying that people are bouncing off of complexity and looking for something simple. That, that I think that's a great point, and that's absolutely what I mean by, like, you know, D and D. If if D and D was made today, it would be an entirely different game, right? It would just be a very, very different game. Um, I think a, a lot of what D and D's power is is nostalgia, right? Um, it's uh, thinking about the how things, um, the fun that you used to have, um, and and trying to capture that fun again. Um, and that's that's what propels D and D a lot of times. And I, I think you're right. I think there is sort of a level of um, the the creators of D and D looking to um, m- make sure that that it still is that game that you remember, but is not so complex that um, it takes eight hours to make a character. Right. <laughs> right. I I just hope that they're not looking at this rules change as how do we make it easier for streamers mm. Mm. because mm. i i feel like you know like like to zach's point a lot of people are introduced to the game in that way now but i think if if they're leading into oh we have to pull things back more and more for the streaming community because you know they're ignoring mm. most most streams ignore this set of rules they they do their own or they gloss over or whatever so maybe we need to get rid of that i i just hope that they realize you know the streaming community there there's a ton of streamers we all know this but there's mm-hmm. only a very very small fraction that have any appreciable viewership whatsoever mm-hmm. and to to change the game to to conform to such a small component of the community I think is the wrong way to go because I think people need to understand that you know there's these rules oh so they don't use these rules in streams because you know there's people watching and it's not fun to deal with that but I enjoyed doing that when I played at Gen Con that was kind of neat you know the people need to understand that there's no one way there's no one true way to play D D. So mm-hmm. to to keep stripping things out and stripping it things out to make it easier for streaming or the digital world exclusively, I think is kind of a dangerous thing. I, I love D and D Beyond. I love my my computer tools and and all that stuff that so I can beat my, my meaty fingers into the keyboard and try to make work that usually doesn't happen very well. But I also never want to not be able to go to the local game store and buy a book. Oh, and mm-hmm. mine's mine's a similar thing. Where a lot of the times our desires are driven by fears, 
you know, you know, and so for me, one of the fears is I would ne I would not be angry that the that D and D changed to more of a digital or like uh, narrative approach so that it made it really easy for people to do to run games and play games online. I would mourn the the, the I mourn it as a loss uh, because. I think it, it's there's nostalgia that's in it for me of like the way that the first time that I played a game with my friends, the first time that you roll a twenty and you hit the crit, the first time you fight a dragon and you win and you don't get eaten by it or you know burned to death by fire. For me, it's more about like it's the connection that you make with people. And for me, mm. being an extrovert, I'm pretty. I like that like direct table interaction that I get with people. That it's really hard to find. Mm. And it, as as someone that runs games every single month several t for several tables not only just my personal but for the public also where uh, for the first time in the year and a half or more since the the pandemic started whenever i started running games online for the first time one game that i have every single player with their camera on mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. time in a year and or more mm -hmm. and so part of that too is like one of the things that i would miss and i would mourn is that it's the thing that brought us all of us weirdos and nerds and like to the table to one another and we kind of we hid in the library or in the AV room or like it and the, the all that we kind of hid it from our moms and and like our youth ministers and stuff like that and we played this really cool thing that we knew was actually amazing and was so much fun it was good and that's what brought us together and for me it's not I I I personally I'm I'm not going to be like I said I'm not going to be upset about it. I think what I'm going to do personally is I'll be a torchbearer for that era of mm. play to where it's not about I don't want you like get off my lawn you have to play it like this. I'm like let me tell you something. We used to play it like this and it was great. Like we played it in <laughs> person and it was big and it was dangerous and it was horrifying and we died all the time and that was hilarious and like just because you got roasted in the belly, belly of a platinum dragon was not a bad thing, right? Um, sometimes that's just the way that it goes. So that that style of play, I don't want to say it's like old school play necessarily, but it's like it's not a nostalgia. Maybe it's partially nostalgia. It's connected to nostalgia. But I don't want people. I want people to have access to that too. I want them to enjoy the things that I enjoyed and be able to share that with them. So I, I, that's the thing that I yeah. I worry about the most about the next generation of anything that comes out in the in the game. Well, one thing I can do speak officially about from D and D Beyond's perspective mm -hmm. is. We try very hard, and I'm sort of like a big advocate of it, that um, digital tool set doesn't have to mean online play. Right, yes. That they're very separate concepts. Um, and I am really loving, in fact, just in my um, uh, time at conventions, I, so Gen Con happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I've gone to Gen Con a couple, a couple of times and done PAX Unplugged and other cons. And I've seen over my sort of experience in it, going from an all papered table, right? Even even paper mm -hmm. like with all the D and D Beyond logos on them, right? At the <laughs> convention, because what they'll do is they'll come to the D and D Beyond cr character creation station and then print out their character and go take it to right. the, the table, right? right? Um, <laughs> yep. To like Gen Con this past time, I wasn't wasn't there. I wasn't able to go, but I heard that there was lots of tables that had laptops open phones tablets open playing right on the the actual thing right in front of them i hope that's what digital tool sets starts to mean 
not right. necessarily you have to play online. Um, it's just that the digital tool set can go even at the table in person and help improve your game. And that's, as a, as a product manager, someone that's actively trying to make our product better and better and better, that's the mindset that we try to take is there is lots of people that play in person and lots and lots of good play that can happen in person. How do we modify and help that experience as well as the online experience? Well, bless you. You know, it's, it's, funny, that, you know, <laughs> it's funny the way you put it that way because... I, I'm one of those DMs that, you know, yes, I have the, the, the adventure printed out, and it usually has the stats for the monster in the back and all this stuff, you know, at conventions. But I also have my tablet up, and I'm using D&D Beyond. And I don't even think of it as a digital tool. Hmm. It is a tool in my DMing toolbox. And hmm. it's it's just as natural to use it as it is to thumb through the monster manual or to use a dice tray or, you know, mm. to have my, my dry erase board. I have, to, you know, I want my tablet with my access to D&D Beyond with me every time I play. And it's, yeah, I don't look at that as being the digital. It, it's just, kind of, it's weird. It's like, it's just part of the thing. I'm just worried about, mm, you know, good. everybody worried about make it easier to watch online or to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I totally, yeah. totally like how you're, you're the philosophy behind it. What, one of the things Man, that I, I don't know if I've told to you me. all, I don't know if I've told you all this before, but one of the things that we tell ourselves is, um, you know, it, it would be easy for us as a digital tool set to call our competitors, all of the people that do something digital that we do, right? For example, roll 20 or, um, others, other tools that are out there, uh, fantasy grounds, things like that. That that they are our competitor, but actually the mentality that we take and, and what we really try to do at D&D Beyond is to say what what our actual competitor is is the solution to the problem, right? Hmm. And right now the solution to the problem at the table and most often is a pen and paper or some sort of manual hmm. way of doing it, right? And we think to ourselves. Is there a better way? So, for example, for the character sheet, I mean, forever it was a piece of paper, drawing it on there. You'd have to draw your own boxes for the character, and then you would put that in a sleeve protector, and then you put that in your notebook. And, like, that's the manual way of doing it. And so we think to ourselves, is there a better way using computers and technology? Mm. Yeah, a digital character sheet is absolutely a great addition to that, right? And so we think of our think of our competitor as actually being that that manual way, not the the other people that are doing digital things, but rather the that manual. Um, can we improve that experience at all? Yeah, and I think I think the and I think maybe we had this discussion last time, but I think the only inhibitor for some folks because I see I see the um, the convention experience as the place where the hardcore people come and they play a bunch of games and then they go back to their home groups and they go back to their other communities and they share what they experience there right and um so it's it's a small fraction of the community but it's a it's a very focused dedicated core group and um the unfortunate side of that and we we've i think the conventions are starting to help us navigate this the unfortunate side for many conventions is that it's very difficult to get strong wireless internet inside Mm -hmm. those convention halls right and so um for me as someone who only at this point ever uses D D beyond for my games anywhere but at a convention 
it's it's that's the last breaking point is saying can i rely on having internet there and the moment <laughs> yeah. is no so i'm out let of me, luck let me throw this one out there though because i i had the same worry i guess but i took my ipad and i downloaded every single friggin book so i didn't have to have the internet it's there so all i have to do is click the button one time the- while i'm at home but I think the only infrastructurally the only problem after that outside of that is going to be just having juice having the battery mm-hmm. battery life for all of your devices. But other than that, that's how I solved that. I had the foresight of just making sure that everything that I had was downloaded just in case I needed to reference it, and then boom, there it is. Yeah, as a reference tool, I think it it works great. Uh, the app experience works great as a reference tool. Um, Zach, as a as a person who uses the browser iteration of the site hmm. every day, goes onto the app and says, "I wish it worked like the." <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had my. I wish I could open the browser on my laptop and use it. Like you got an um, instance or something like that in the back on the back end that would allow. Yeah, you to do stuff it's offline. it's it's a it's a small dream, but we can we can navigate away from that. But I think that that's the last step, is for getting, like not just the smattering of of laptops and tablets but like just chock full of tablets and every dm running from a tablet or a or a phone or a laptop at a convention is is getting that internet experience up and and i will say that gen con from this year compared to gen con of two years ago where we couldn't even get wi-fi mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is a night and day difference so we're we'll get there in the next couple of years and this will all be solved i, 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 I think it was a lifesaver uh, having having access to dmd beyond at origins for me because i didn't okay. have the physical copy of the book on hand yet and so mm-hmm. uh, just being able to reference it even with the spotty internet that we had in the in the the uh the hall was like huge somebody was saying like i hadn't memorized the heron gone race or the fairy stats or anything like that so being able to access all of that stuff at the at the flip of a switch and a couple of swipes made a huge difference in the not in my experience necessarily but for me to create a really great and easy experience for my players it really helped out with that too was there anything else andrew that as you were listening to those celebration announcements about the changes from changes to sixth edition and and some of their core philosophies going forward that really struck you as as, as fascinating mm. struck me as fascinating um well we, we i think we touched on a lot of them i'm trying to pick out one that um that we didn't touch on well, let me ask you um, how about this to, to narrow it down was is there a product that's coming out that you are particularly excited about there are some things that I'm very excited about. Yes. Yeah. Um, but things that I can talk about. Um, uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of critical role. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched um, all, but the last like 10 episodes, which is about 30 viewing hours or actually probably like 50 viewing hours or something yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> so um, I just haven't gotten past those last 10 episodes. So I've not seen the final. Don't tell me what happens in the final of season two. Um, so I'm excited about that new book. Um, it's been really cool watching that sort of world um, develop and morph and change. Um, and I, I, think that, I think that that will be a really interesting book to see what comes of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, from what I can talk about, that the, that's the thing I can I think I'm 
really excited about. That's fair. Whenever I feel like the guy, uh, well, I, I am that guy. Whenever you're in a room full of, of people that really love football and they want to talk about their favorite teams and they talk about a game, and I'm just sitting there going, I'm glad you like <laughs> guys like like football so much. I'm like not upset with anybody about it, but I just like I'm I love that Critical Role brought people in. I just like I just yeah. can't. I just can't. I, I've tried. I really have. I've given it the old college try, and I couldn't. But I but I think that's all. It is great though, and I, I you can tell like it's one of the again additional like a driving force that some people lament. You hear the complaints about got another critical role book. They promised us some old mm. school stuff like Dragonlance, Spelljammer, Dark Sun, whatever, mm. and it's like another Magic the Gathering book, or we're getting a Magic the Gathering book instead and stuff like that. I get that though. Mm. From a, like all these new players are coming in. That's what that's what pulled them in. So you're you're giving mm. them what they're that's what they're expecting right now. The rest of us are just gonna have to kind of hang out until. You know, until yeah. we finally get some love, and when we do, until they get to your IP. Yeah. Well, that's right. And whenever they do, by God, Grognards <laughs> unite yeah. because if you do not piss and moan about not getting Dragonlance, and then him and Haw about getting it, or complain when you get it, because at the very least you're going to get something. So, I mean, we got Fizzban. Right? We did. We got a weird looking Fizzban, though. That's my that's like my only complaint about like Fizzban looked like a little bit like Tommy Chong. Uh, in his, in his <laughs> I was not expecting that. Well, he looks maybe super, super mellow. <laughs> super mellow. Well, I, oh I always gosh. kind of pictured, yeah. as I read those novels, I always kind of pictured him as. Did you really? Very, very mellow. I did not. Well, so, I did. Okay, so if Fizban is Chong, who's Cheech? Oh well, it's got to be the dragon he's got. He's got it with him, right? Because he's got. He's like a. He has a familiar, not a familiar. He's got a an ancient gold dragon that is a parakeet or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Bear droid. Paladine's not here, man. Here, man. It's Paladine. Let me in. It's Paladine. Paladine's not here. But if, you, if if those of you that are listening or viewing at home did not realize this, the there the draconians are represented in the the uh, the new book in the in the proper way. Hmm. In a proper, in a in, proper, in a way. proper way, without <laughs> using yourself, yeah. sir. without using now, your I, silly uh, designated names. Oh like, man, like, I will windmill on you, sir. Like <laughs> Bo, Bo Blash and, and I'm, Bubble I'm Snobs. Super triggered right now. Bumble, did you say Bumble Snobs? Bob, Bubble Snobs. I think there's, I think there's a book in that somewhere. Thanks, yeah. so, thanks so too. Um, I will say gotta, the new book is amazing. Uh, I have I have read it and it's I'm pretty excited about it. So. And it got pushed back. It got pushed back. So thank you for rubbing it in my nose. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Just by like a little tiny bit, I think. Right. right. So so does D&D Beyond have to uh, adhere to that that pushback as well, or do they get to release it when they... No, no. Yeah, we have to push back too. Yeah. 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 In fact, um, usually usually the way it works is Amazon gets to actually release it. Yeah, is way it really happens um, because Amazon doesn't care about anybody else in their books, and so they release it when they want to release it on Sunday night, and then we're like, "Hey, <laughs> what? we want to release it," which <laughs> which was very odd today that Wizards actually beat Amazon to the punch to announce the the Critical yeah. Role book. I thought that was fantastic. I think it's because yeah. they announced it so far in advance. Like, yeah. I, like if you look at how far out they announced that critical role book, it's I, like, yeah, it's, it's six. It's a six month pre order, my friends, which is unheard mm. of at this point. A whole year. Yeah. I was actually joking with our marketing team. I said, 
Um, the, the next book is going to be uh, announced and available for pre-order before the author knows they're going to write it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, just this so is, it's almost like Kickstarter. <laughs> they get the call the next day after it's been up to the, uh, the notification. Hey, hey we just way, announced this new book. <laughs> oh, that well, just looks cool. It. What's it going to be about? I, I was know, looking we at like... would tell us. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, There's man. so many things like we, we like. I feel like it's been forever since we heard Strixhaven was coming. It's been like what two months, but like yeah, we, there's so many things been announced since then that mm-hmm. we're kind of in a glut. Almost, almost now kind of forgot about it. We also have a couple of questions from chat, and yes. I I think we should hit those before we close out here. Um, uh, Bear Droid is asking. Uh, so, Roll Twenty is doing a second screen beta uh, at the moment. Um, and I'll kind of reflavor the question a little bit here, um, but and and this may be something that you're not at liberty to say, but um, Beyond Twenty has made it made the leap uh, uh, possible for a ton of people. I have had I don't know how many people, numerous players who are fully vested in Roll Twenty, um, slip over to D and D Beyond at this point because. Of that beyond twenty, uh, 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 plug in. What, 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 plug in. Thank you, Troy. Mm. Um, is 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 there is? I know that it's not it, beyond twenty. Doesn't have anything to do with you. But what are your? What is Andrew's thoughts on beyond twenty? Is there any future mm. in which we can see that expanded in any official way? Yeah, it is interesting. Um, Beyond 20 and a couple others you might have heard. I mean, uh, it is, it, um, I, uh, let, me, let me just say this personally, from Andrew's point of view, I love that so many people want to take what we're doing on D&D Beyond and port it over and also use it. Um, I would love, uh, and this is the product manager of D&D Beyond speaking, I would love if we could become more of a hub for other developers to use what we have done in order to do what they want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, it makes me really sad that they have to do that in a way that feels sort of hacky at times. For example, mm-hmm. Roll 20, or Beyond 20, they never consulted us, they never asked. They, yeah. they uh, in fact, um, we even talked to them a little bit about their logo on, on Roll uh, Beyond 20 because it looks a lot like mm-hmm. RB. Uh, and it's not actually RB, <laughs> it just looks mm-hmm. like RB. Um, anyway, the, the, the point I'm trying to say there is I wish that we had a better, more sort of official sanctioned way that you can work with D and D beyond. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's one of my, my great laments, um, that, um, that I wish we could do more, uh, sort of a public API and make that available to everybody so that you can have the, the D and D character sheet, the D and D beyond character sheet in whatever D and D tool that you use. Yeah. Um, you would be surprised. Maybe you wouldn't be um, at the number of, of people I talk to f- that make digital tools that say to me, "Hey, my number one request on my product, whatever it is, is have the D and D Beyond character sheet in it. Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. help me do that?" And I, well, I say to them, "I would love to do that, but I cannot, unfortunately." Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I'll, I will be the first to sling some salt then, because as a like Roll Twenty is what I use because it's the best that I can find for for what we're doing now, that uh, it says a lot about a product whenever you bypass what's integrated in with Roll Twenty 
because it is not user friendly. It is not easy, and even if you have all the books purchased ahead of time, like I've got everything's purchased in Roll Twenty already, but I've got D and D Beyond, and my players for my regular game still won't use the Roll Twenty character sheet macros and all the other kind of little bells and whistles and stuff that I can use, they're still using D&D Beyond because it is so freaking user-friendly. So, Well, and, and Beyond 20 has got about 300,000 downloads of the extension. That doesn't give you like who, like actively using it, just sure. that it's been downloaded that many times. And that does not go unnoticed by us. Um, in fact, another one called Above VTT, which mm-hmm. uses D&D Beyond mm-hmm. to create a VTT, is also sort of something that we're looking at and um, analyzing. Um, I can say that we they are not officially sanctioned, right? Like I'm yeah. not gonna say mm, sure. like they are there, um, but I, I appreciate what they're doing and I, I wish that we had a sort of a better way for them to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'll, it, it, it justifies and, and enhances the D&D Beyond experience right now to be able to fuse a VTT to it, right? And I think we talked about that a little bit in the previous thing. I know Craig here in chat is is demanding that we uh, we discuss the uh, possibility of a beyond VTT, and he really wants you to give a hard date as well for when we could see that. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, wow. you, could, you can make one person, you can make, well, five people happy, uh, or however many at this point, but... Um, uh, no, I think I think that that's the answer, right? I think that that everybody loves the D and D Beyond experience, um, and they just want to they want to find that way of making it the mm. full experience. And so for me, D and D Beyond is all of my resources, and the only thing I use Roll Twenty Four is the grid and being able to move things around. All roles, all setup, all character sheets, all monsters, everything flows from D&D Beyond. And so Mm -hmm. really what we're looking for there, um, the communication is like, Roll20 is not the thing that I'm sold to and and like, like, you know, uh, uh, attached at the hip to. It's it's your Mm -hmm. program with D&D Beyond. And so I am curious to see at... If, if we can at some point get a taste of maybe what the Andrew VTT experience feels like that bypasses that Roll20 uh, uh, experience altogether. Hmm. You labeled it Andrew. Well, please, <laughs> please don't put that on me. <laughs> um, um, I would I would say this, um, you know, it's it's no secret D and D Beyond has said that um, we've been looking at a VTT for a long time. Sure, um, it's one of our top feature requests, um, um, and uh, you know, one of the the things and I think I said it on the last show was um, if we were to tackle that problem, one one of the things that we want to look at is what do you really need, right? Like I say, I need a VTT, but what does that really mean? Right. Mm -hmm. What that really means is a map. I need a map. And why do you need a map? Second, why? Why do you need a map? Well, I need to know where I am at in relation to everything else around me so that I can make a better decision about what I want to do on my turn or in in any kind of tactical sense, because Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to have that sort of um, rolling recaps is what I've, I've heard some DMs call it, is like every turn you got to say another thing and another thing. Uh, all the things that happened and re- yeah. sort of recount that tale every time. A yeah. map helps that. But the, mm-hmm. the interesting thing about it is is that um, 
when you don't need that, when you don't have that problem, you don't need a map, right? You need something else. Um, but that something else always gets clouded, right? So if we were to look at that, we want to make sure that we solve the problem and we improve gameplay, not just um, give the people what they want. Like, okay, here's a VTT, do it. You know, mm -hmm. oh, this didn't really solve my problem. Well, it's because we made you a VTT, not what solved your problem. Right. Uh, a, a famous quote that we use in product management, and I'm surely people have heard it, um, some of your listeners have heard it, and that is um, Henry Ford saying, if, the, if I asked the people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Instead, I built a car, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking at. Right? Mm -hmm. People are asking for a faster horse, and we're going to say, well, what, what's, what's the car look like? Um, mm. and, and so, you know, it takes some thinking, take some time to sort of figure out what that what does that really mean if if we were to do a vtt we would want to make sure that it fits the large vast majority of people that we have playing a lot of people who have no clue what a vtt even means <laughs> right. right yeah um right they just know that they want to play D D, and they have this problem where they need to see where they are uh, in relation to a whole lot of other things and they need to see that really quickly and then get back to just playing the game um, and, and moving mm. on with their lives. And so, you know, the, the way we solve that problem will, I think, hopefully, um, be uniquely a D&D beyond solution. And hopefully it'll be mm. fast, quick, and intuitive. Um, those are the things that we know are hallmarks. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I, I personally hate, and I see it a lot, is I spend so much time making a map in this other VTT that I feel like I've, I have to learn that system instead of learning how to play D&D, &D, right? Yes. Um, and in some systems, so I'll, I'll walk around conventions and, and see um, different, you know, this VTT or this sort of um, platform, and I want to give out names, but um, I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, show me what it's like. And then uh, they'll spend 15 minutes sort of setting it up and getting it ready. And I'm just like, well, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we were going to play D&D on this thing. Um, it feels like I play the VTT and the VTT plays D&D for me. I don't want that. Mm. I want to play D&D. Mm. Um, mm. And so that's, that's, the, that's the thing that we're going to focus on is helping you play D&D, not we'll play D&D for you. Mm. So, I like that. I like, I like so. that philosophy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no date in there. Um, also, there's no confirmation that we are or are not making a VTT. Plausible deniability. Thank you. Uh, I, I would like to throw out, like you said, you know, if you ask people what they want, I, I think if if D and D Beyond were to do a VTT, I agree. A map is only needed when a map is needed. Hmm. I think what all the other VTTs are lacking. Well, I shouldn't say all of them because I haven't used hardly any of so. them but Roll20. Um, Roll20's video and audio sucks. Oh, man. Hmm. I What I would like to see is something like what we've got right... what people are seeing on the on the Twitch right now. You've got the, the four boxes with the, the, the players and the DM in it and everybody can see each other, or if you don't want to turn your camera on, it can show a picture of your character or something to that effect. Then when it's time for combat, or then when it's time to show a picture of something or whatever, the DM can click a button, and the boxes 
go off to the sides, however you want to set it up, and your picture or your map is now front and center so that you can do that. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done, it can come back. Just because the and one thing point, I think everybody misses is the face-to-face. Right. And to your point, too, right? Like, it's not just a map. It's a handout. It's a map. Mm-hmm. It's a scene of an image to, like, help them grab. Like, theater of the mind is great, but some people are there are to lesser and greater degrees of being mm-hmm. able to just describe a scene in a way that is meaningful to to the players. Sometimes you need just that extra little bit of flavor to help them immerse, to, to kind of pull them in, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a principle in product management that um, that uh, is essentially when you solve a problem, you introduce at least two more. Um, mm-hmm. And the and the the reason for that is that um, every problem that you solve introduces more complexity and more things that you have to deal with and other problems. And so, really thinking about what problems should we solve because you shouldn't solve all of them because or else you'll have that sort of multiplicative effect. Um, and when we solve it, how can we reduce the number of problems that we then create? For example, I was playing um, on a map with friends and uh, inevitably this happens and all of you have probably experienced it. And that is uh, combat has ended and now we're sort of like digging through the remains and trying to figure out what all the clues were and what do we do next? And there's we've gone from tactical combat and tactical literal structured time to very much RP and people are kind of interjecting and um, you know it's very much of a uh, sort of improv now right and and we go almost back to storytelling yeah but I'm still looking at the map of the battle yeah yeah so one one person said um, we had a conversation about leaving uh, the, the party and I and I was like we should we should probably go and then this friend of mine said well can you even have that conversation you're not there your token is way over here right so like, how are you, are you yelling across the battlefield to each other now? And I, I was like, this is a problem that a map presents when you're looking yeah. at a map, when you don't need a map, because in our minds, had we not had that map, our sort of uh, theater of the mind would have connected the dots and it would have said, mm-hmm. in order for me to have this conversation, I would have naturally just come over and experienced that conversation. And we're all grouping up after the end of this thing. And right, I don't have to keep my token updated on every single place that I'm at for with every conversation and all of that. Like when I don't need a map, when I don't need to figure out where everybody is at so I can make better decisions about what I want to do, I don't, I don't want to have that in front of me. It influences my, now my decision-making and the, my mind's eye of that experience and it gets in the way. So I, I, you know, I told him, well, I, I just assumed that we were all together, you know? Um, and so in, in that instance, I kind of want the map to go away, like send it away. Show me something else. Show me yep. a list of the treasure we found or send me a picture of just the image of the cave that we were in or, you know, something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. much. Is, is, there, is there anything that you can talk about that's not D&D? Like... What what do you what does uh what do you have next coming or what does your crew have next coming for like uh, Cortex? Oh yeah yeah yeah, um, so the Tales of Zadia has come out, and it's uh it's really interesting. Um, 
I have not actually played with our tool set yet, unfortunately, just because I'm so focused on D&D. But we do have a tool set in order for you to play. In fact, we were at Gen Con showing it off. People were playing yep. it. And the thing that I think is really interesting is um, that rule set was designed with digital play at its start. And it affects it. It affects it um, and the, the what you can do with it. Can you play it without it? Absolutely you can. The book is, is, is actually written with a, you're playing without a digital tool set, but then has like sort of parenthetically saying, or you can do this online at blah, 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 you know? Okay. Um, and I'm really excited about the possibilities of sort of a, a role-playing game with a digital tool set at its start and sort of around the digital tool set. Um, in order to help make that play better, um, hmm. I think it'll it'll be an interesting sort of experience um, to see how that works and to see how that grows and how the character creating creation process can be improved because of digital tools, how the storytelling process can be improved and um, yeah, so yeah, uh, Tales of Zadia, I think the the actual book release comes out. Uh, if I gave you a date, I'd be wrong. Um, and the product manager over that would probably then cut my throat. But, um, but yeah, you can go on to uh, talesofzadia.com, I think, and, and take a look at it. Very cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm excited about, um, you know, uh, other uh, opportunities that we might have with Cortex Prime system. Um, so if you go and find the Cortex Prime book, there are a couple of worlds within there that are pretty cool. Um, I've even created my own uh, universe or my own role-playing game off of Cortex Prime called Free Robots, where you um, the, the character creation menu is a brochure for a sort of 1920s style, think like Iron Giant, right? Yeah. And that sort of like that sort of mm. era of sort of robots and like the 1920s and uh, almost like a um, uh, mm, fallout kind of time period, right? Mm. Um, you mm -hmm. go through and you create your robot and the you are literally, the, the attributes that you give it and the skills you get it are like programming languages that you in install and uh, systems and hardware that you apply to it and until you have this robot and then um, it starts with uh, all of the robots are stranded on an island and are woken up, woken up outside of their normal purpose. These robots are created by a company for sort of household chores or to accomplish some sort of task. And this, this corporation creates these robots for you. That's the menu that you go through. But something happened in transit and these robots are found stranded on an island and woken up for whatever reason. And so now you've got this sort of like dual purpose of like, I was created to do one thing, but now I've got to learn how to do something completely different. Um, and it's sort of a fun little like, uh, you know, fun cool. little, little game, free robots. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I'm, I am, I'm going to be honest. I have never checked out the Cortex website until uh, Troy brought it up and you started talking there. Uh, now I've got my reading material for uh, for a while because I'm gonna. This looks fascinating. So, it's uh, it's a really interesting way to sort of create it. it um, just like Genesis and, and others, um, GURPS, it's a, a really interesting way to create your own role playing game. 
And the yeah. way that Cam, who works with us, um, wrote the book is there's all these things that you can add to it and take away mm-hmm. that help that you can say, okay, I want to apply this sort of mod to this system because this is it feels good for this kind of game or take it away. Um, it is a multi-die system, and then you create a pool, and then you roll that to try to create a success. And mm-hmm. the, the ingenious part of his sort of game design for it is that um, it kind of balances itself out in a lot of ways. So you can't, as long as you sort of follow the rules of creation, you can't really break the game. Which, with more specific games, like being able to homebrew a spell, you can absolutely break D&D. Right, like you can make a spell so powerful that would just sort of be pointless, right? Well, mm-hmm. whereas Cortex sort of gives everything sort of bounds, and mm-hmm. it always has a check and a balance, um, and so you can't really sort of break the game unless you are really trying to, um, which is it's sort of a interesting uh, mechanic of it. So fascinating. That's yeah, one yeah. of the questions that just came up in chat was asking, do you feel like it's uh, Super crunchy, like a GURPS, or is it more rules like like uh, like Fate? Um, it is it is rules light, but it can get crunchy. Um, it can uh, it is very narrative, so it does not have like an action economy necessarily. Um, there is no like you can travel this far on a map sort of thing, but um, trying to discern what you want to do can get kind of crunchy. So the way Cortex Prime and Cortex games work is you have at least three uh, parts of your character. There are distinctions that everybody comes with. Then there are um, some sort of an attribute of some kind. And then like maybe skills or powers or there's all these other things. But usually there's at least three and then maybe more. There's a relationship module. So like if I'm working with somebody else. And then each one of those things is connected to a die. And that's either a a D4, a D6, a D8, a D10, or a D12. One of those five. So that gives you the scale of like what's good and what's bad. D4s are the worst and D12s are the best. And you add up everything that you can kind of make it. So when you want to do a thing, like I am going to make a gun. I would take one of my distinctions, so thing I'm known for, and maybe that's like, uh, I am a rugged gunsmith. Okay, so I'm going to take that D8. And then I'm going to, I have a skill of actually like machinery, so I'm going to take that D12. And then I have um, uh, a uh, dexterity, right? So I'm going to use like a dexterity die of maybe a D10 or something. And I take those three die, I roll them, I take the two highest of all of the dice in my dice pool, I add those two together and that becomes my number. Mm. So at any point, the really the highest you can go is 24 because that's 2d12 plus uh, the max. And the lowest mm-hmm. is 2. Um, and that is the, the number that you use to determine whether you win or lose. The DM then does the same. Um, so there's no DC. The DM has their own sort of pool. They determine like, okay, is this a difficult task or not a difficult task? Then they roll it. They pick two and then go from there. Um, and, and then you kind of decide, okay, based off those numbers, who wins or loses. Um, and so hmm. essentially I could have a dice pool that is like 10 dice because of all these things, right? But hmm. all that it really comes down to is up to 12, 24 mm-hmm. um, because I'm only picking two of those. Now, here's the catch, and here's the sort of flip side of that. Every die you add into it adds another opportunity for you to get a one. And on a one, 
things happen. You gain stress or some uh, some sort of uh, um, negative effect that can happen to, on you. So I want I'm strategically thinking about how many dice do I actually want to risk so that I can get a good result, but also potentially harm myself as well. In mm. fact, you could add so many dice and get so many ones that you actually take yourself out of the scene for that that round or, or that that sort of area of play because you got so many ones. So you might make a gun, but it backfires in your face and you now have to go to the emergency room, right? You were successful, you hmm. did it, but I, you I got a good. lot of ones. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, I'm going to pay you a compliment here, um, Andrew, because it's very difficult, I think, to communicate how a game feels and plays to somebody who knows nothing about the game in a short amount of time, right? Like, And I, I oh, feel cool. like uh, you just did that. So I, I'm, you probably saved me a whole bunch of reading and pondering, pontificating um, about Cortex, because I think I understand this now, and I'm, I'm more intrigued in, and... I think we can grasp it. So, um, I, what we need to do probably at some point is is just have an episode where we talk about Cortex because, or just um, have an episode where we play Cortex and, and Andrew could run run it for us. Yeah, I could run free games. robots for you. Yeah, I, I want to play some free robots. <laughs> yeah, or we could That'd play the game that I made for my kids called Cat Chi, which are magical cats with powers. My my two daughters love magical cats, and so I made a little game with Cortex called Cat Chi. I'm allergic That's to that one too. Awesome. <laughs> okay, well, then that's that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down. Let's make that happen because yes. uh, this is interesting. I'm, I'm interested just because I'm interested in systems, but also I'm interested to see like, okay, so we've talked to you now two times on the podcast, but more, plenty more than that off that off the recordings about how do you design a game with the digital interface in mind. And so, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the D&D &D sense, that's hypothetical still, right? Um, but we've mm -hmm. got an example of what that could look like here. And so that would be, that'd be a really fascinating endeavor. So, awesome. Well, hey, that, that feels like a good spot to kind of wrap this up. Andrew, thank you so much for uh, coming on and chatting with us again. Yes, you know, Andy. Zach, thank you so much for listening to me for an hour and a little bit. I really appreciate it because I like to talk. And I also like to hear what you all have to say and what your listeners' uh, questions are. It, uh, it helps me understand more about what people are wanting. So I, I appreciate mm. it. Thank you very much. I enjoy it. Well, is, there any place, uh, is there any place that you would like to send people to, uh, social media or website or anything other than D&D Beyond, of course? that you you would like people oh, to head yeah to. yeah yeah you can find me on twitter um a c searles s-e-a-r-l-e-s um yeah that's my twitter awesome perfect cool cool, cool. yeah don't All look right. at TikTok. tiktok i I'm, i am on tiktok <laughs> but i don't have like Ooh. little videos so don't go there to look for me <laughs> oh he's he 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 does all the dances I, I try to do every one of the dances. Yeah. I've I've got them all saved. I don't haven't published any of them. <laughs> so are you like a the a TikTok lurker me. like a like Troy then? Like Troy's a TikTok I am, lurker. I am he a TikTok has, lurker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah. I like following. When a lot we of the figure it out, we'll TikTok pass it on. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
And uh, mm-hmm. I, I will say a lot of the people that do D&D TikTok stuff, I have tried to get in touch with specifically. So um, I want to I want to talk to those people and uh, hear what they got to say. So if you do TikTok a lot and you want to talk, actually, if you want to just talk, um, you can go to our uh, the forums on D&D Beyond and then go to our feedback section and that'll follow all those links and you'll find a... Um, uh, a place where you can leave feedback on D&D Beyond, but also in there is, uh, and I can actually stick it in the Discord to the link, is a link to my calendar, and you can create a little 30-minute sort of session. Um, I, I try to leave it open-ended for anybody to kind of come in and have a chat and ask questions, and I also have questions. It's, uh, it's a chance for me to ask questions of you. Um, so, uh, I'll leave that link in, in the, um, the chat and, uh, anybody that wants to talk and Ooh, man. wants to answer questions for me, then that. schedule on me. How many Open consecutive 30 minutes, uh, Open yeah. calendar. <laughs> how many, how, how many consecutive 30 minute <laughs> windows do you have? <laughs> there are some limits. There are some limits. <laughs> how many users do you have? It's or how many listeners? completely listen open. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, hey. You can also get in touch with the uh, Bite Size Gaming crew, um, not just uh, on the elusive Twitter. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure who you would be talking to if you hopped <laughs> onto Twitter yeah. and added us. Um, it's a Russian bot at this point, probably. If we're lucky. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but you definitely can do so on Facebook, because um, we are there and we uh, we will happily respond. You can also head over to our Discord. Um, where we have really excellent chats going on uh, very consistently, and we'd love for you to be a part of them. Um, the last thing that we would ask for you to do is, if you are listening to this on your uh, podcast player, uh, give us a review, uh, a rating, um, and a share, and a subscription, or some combination of those four things. Because um, that's how more people find us, and... Uh, become part of this uh, fun little community so <clears throat> all right well thanks again Andrew thanks John thanks Troy for hanging out yet again this week and until next week we'll see you next time yeah thank you chat and have a great game everybody yep happy gaming safe gaming <laughs>